Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Whether it's the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, or Aggies. These guys have got you covered. I need fellas. You're locked on to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. One, two, three. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Hey, girl. What's up? Chicken Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No. Is that, is, that, is that still the go-to pickup for the single folks out there? Hey. That's how I do everything. Hey, girl. What's up? <laughs> it works. It works. Every time. <laughs> Let's give away some stars tickets. Uh, they're taking on the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, a family four-pack of tickets. Caller 12 right now. You're going to go see the, or the, excuse me, the Stars and the Vipers February 1st. At Bruin Arena, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. Hey. Hey, hey girl. Up? It works, man. Sometimes you just got to be straightforward. Sometimes you got to call it like you sees it, Jake. <laughs> hey, girl. What's up? It's Ben. That got me in some trouble. Hey, you know who's calling it like they see it? Quinn Snyder lately. Okay, good transition Which there. I do like nice. about Quinn Snyder, that we are getting... <laughs> you know, when things are going well with the jazz, just... Talk about whatever you want. Like, I'm sure some of the nonsense. I I promise you, the media, me, Sarah, Andy, Eric, Tony, you know, whoever you want to mention, Matt, John, everyone in the writer's room, we recognize the give and take that exists with the players and the coaches. Like, we're all trying to do our jobs. We know they get sick of us. We know we ask a lot of the same questions over and over. There's a reason we do it. It's not to pander to anybody. Like, we are really trying to, like, develop storylines and get truth about the team that you have to get in little increments and piece it together. We all know what we're doing. But over the last 10 games, when the Jazz only have two wins, and it's pretty obvious that they don't have the team out there they want to, and there are flaws with this basketball team, sometimes Quinn Snyder gets a little bit more candid. 
and is a little bit more of a straight shooter. And I think recently he has done that. And I think because Rudy Gobert also did it a couple of weeks ago and because Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson have talked about the issues with the team, maybe there's been a little bit more leeway to talk about those problems where Quinn Snyder doesn't need to go start fires in the locker room for his team that don't need to exist. His job is just trying to keep everyone on the same page and moving in the same direction. Should we hear the clip? Megan's on the phone. We'll uh, let Megan talk for a second and we will get to the clip. But I, I do think that has been... One of the charms of the last eight games is the Jazz are being forced into some adversity, and you saw maybe more of it last night than even you did against Toronto. That Toronto game was so weird because it was the first time the Jazz were getting COVID. Well, it's the first time this year the Jazz were getting COVID. It was the first time they really sat everybody, played a totally different starting lineup, and the Jazz were able to do that again last night. And really did. They missed six of their top nine players. Hassan Whiteside was his first game back from COVID. Uh, you were relying on Rudy Gay and Eric Paschal, who's really new to the rotation, really hasn't been playing a whole lot. Trent Forrest, we know, has been around a little bit more. But Quinn Snyder, I thought, was showing a little bit more willingness to play some of these guys. And I think that has been, some of that adversity has been good for the Jazz to try a few different things and shake up the status quo, which I've told you I'm a fan of, because I think sometimes you have to get guys on the field before you know what they have. And we see that across sports. You can look at the University of Utah and say, clearly in practice... I believe that Andy Ludwig and Quinn Snyder saw something from, or Quinn Snyder, Kyle Whittingham saw something from Charlie Brewer that made them think he's the better quarterback. Something went wrong. They faced adversity. They had to play Cam Rising. Cam's clearly the better player, and he took them to the Rose Bowl. But you had to face a little bit of adversity before you could get there. And sometimes you just have to face adversity on the floor or off the floor before you can get to the truth. I agree with you. Sorry for being a long-winded point. No. No, I think I, I just like it how you're not panicking anymore. It's good. It's a good look. Was I panicked? Last last week you were panicking that the team will never win again. You should break it up. Cut everybody. Oh, I'm still saying they need to make some changes. <laughs> I'm just saying that adversity has revealed how they need to make some of those changes. Okay. But Quinn Snyder did talk about one of the things that they can do better. All right. Let's You're- hear it. No, I think our guys, you know, on some level felt exposed with, with our defense from, from on, on the perimeter and almost don't realize how much um, Rudy's presence is impacting the game. And, you know, th- their focus went up and then I think, you know, we've seen, you know, really a point to the Detroit game at home, um, even the other night against Golden State, whether that's a different game because of the way that they play and cut and Curry's out there. But, um, you know, guys just taking more pride and having more focus on containing the ball. Um, that's something that I, that I think, you know, that we can take from these last couple weeks. I think it's uh, it's eye opening. I think he's he's totally right. And isn't that the feeling we all have when we go on vacation, Ben? That when we come back, we want everybody to be like, "Wow, we, we missed, missed you. you!" Oh, thank goodness you're back. It rarely happens. In fact, one of the meanest things I ever did to a coworker who was really sensitive about that, like, and and in a, in a really good way, because he would make sure like whoever was filling in for him was. Uber prepared. He'd like yeah. call and check in. Like it, it all came from a very good place. And I was kind of me, and I was like, when he gets back, don't even acknowledge that he was gone. Just say, oh yeah, everything was fine. In fact, better. Yeah, even. right. Like it was just yeah. brilliant. You should go on vacation more, or for your sake, maybe don't leave ever again. <laughs> uh, but with Rudy being gone, 
And this isn't the first time, by the way, this has happened where Rudy's missed time and the uh, the rest of the team kind of develops a little bit more of an appreciation and maybe digs in a little bit harder. I think that that is exactly what was the predicate to the Jazz erasing uh, being out of the playoffs by nine games in Donovan Mitchell's rookie season. Rudy missed a month. Yep. And all of a sudden they had the best defense in the league when Rudy came back because yes. everybody else noticed like, oh man, I got to tighten it up out here because Rudy makes up for a lot. And uh, I think Coach Schneider right there acknowledged they're going through the same thing. I totally buy it. I yep. bet the defense is much better when they have their entire complement of players back because everybody kind of realizes, all right, I got to dig in because Rudy is doing a lot. And it's pretty obvious Rudy does a lot when Rudy He's not there. Yeah, because it really does get easy to default to saying, well, just feed people to go to go bear because it is the game plan. And Quinn Snyder has talked about that. In fact, he said it the other day, I think, against Detroit. Maybe it was Golden State. He says the goal is to get Rudy Gobert involved on the defensive end, which is kind of funny, but it's not unlike an offensive side of the ball. Like, even if Donovan Mitchell doesn't shoot every time, he should probably touch the ball or be involved in the action every time because you have to dedicate so much defense towards a guy like Donovan Mitchell to make sure he doesn't go off. And on the flip side, Rudy Gobert is so destructive defensively that if you allow teams to play away from him, they're going to have more success than if they have to try and play through him or with him in, in the vicinity. So the Jazz just got so lazy about funneling guys towards Rudy Gobert and saying, well, I'm doing my job because it's working. We have a top five defense. When really the gap between being a top five defense and a really good defense, I do think there's that's a different conversation. Having good defensive rating numbers and being a good defense, a versatile defense, a defense that can adjust to what the offense is throwing at it, which honestly mostly is staying in front of your guy, regardless of what they're throwing at you, is a different conversation. And that is what we saw against Golden State because Golden State managed only 94 points in that win. Because you saw it against Detroit where the Jazz finally got a victory and the Jazz only allowed 101 points. It's not a good Detroit team, but you gave up, what, 120 to them a couple of weeks ago. It's about preventing teams from going off and getting easy basket after easy basket, especially when Rudy Gobert's not involved in the action. And I think you're right, Jake. When they get everyone back and healthy... I think the defense is going to look better. The key then for Quinn Snyder is going to be able to be channeling that, figure out how to funnel that into the playoffs. Because if the Jazz can play a high level of defense and those guys can have that defensive integrity, they they will be much more likely to compete for a title. All right, just to illustrate your point here for a second, why did the Jazz lose to, well, what's the big reason everybody blames the Jazz lost to the Clippers last year? Because they went small. They went five took, out. Yeah, took Rudy out of the game. And Terrence Mann made a bunch of shots. Yeah. Why did they do that? To get Rudy out of the play defensively. Correct. Now, why was Terrence Mann, and I love that Rudy gets blamed for this, why was Terrence Mann so open? Because Rudy helped. Right. Because Reggie Jackson. other guys couldn't stay in front of their dude. Reggie Jackson. Straight beat, line drives to the rim. So Rudy comes over, and that route leaves Rudy guy, Rudy's guy in yes. the corner, yes. wide open, ready to make a three. Somehow people blame Rudy Gobert for this. Who they should be blaming is, one, the defender that couldn't keep Reggie Jackson in front of them in the first place. Right. And two, the defender who's supposed to rotate to help Rudy. Jake, you have two jobs. You do this job, then you do jazz pre-half and post. Yep. If Tim Lacombe stops showing up to do jazz pre-half and post, and you have to cover both of those, and it means you can't come to work anymore, you don't get in trouble for not coming to this job. Truly, that's Tim's fault. And we blamed him for a lot. But if you had to do all of that work and it stopped you from being able to come to this job, 
and then blaming you for not coming to this job because you were covering for Tim is not your problem. It's Tim's problem. Right. But that's what jazz fans are doing to Rudy Gobert right now. Or you could say, if I stop writing, covering articles at kslsports.com, and, you know, Kyle Ireland has to start covering the jazz, but stops covering the NFL, and he gets fired for not covering the NFL because he was covering the jazz, that's my fault. That's right. not Kyle's fault. But yes, that is how people have blamed Rudy Gobert for having to, to, to guard the paint and leaving Terrence Mann open. It's like, layups are better shots than threes. Yeah, he's got to stop Reggie Jackson from dunking it. And then Terrence Mann gets an open three because the other player doesn't rotate over to help Rudy or the player doesn't stay in front of Reggie Jackson in the first place. None of that is Rudy's fault. So you can have a good defense just because Rudy Gobert's on the floor. He's so elite. You can have a good defense just by having him on the floor. If you want to have a great defense, the other four guys need to be really good at defense too. And you are starting to see better effort, more consistency. And again, that goes back to Quinn Snyder talking about the adversity that the team's facing and that's why they're playing better. Well, and getting back to the Clippers for a second, you know who's a really good player? Zubats. Yeah. You know who they don't want to take off the floor? Zubats. Right. You know who they took off the floor to get Rudy Got out of the of play? Zubats. Got rid of him. Yeah, they had to. Now, one of the reasons the Jazz are playing better defensively, I do think in these last few games, I know he hasn't played every night, but is a guy like Trent Forrest and is a guy like Daniel House. And I think from what we've seen from Daniel House, because he's on a second 10-day contract, even just from a performance last night, because he gets steals, he gets deflections, he knows how to play in passing lanes, he's pretty stout defensively one-on-one, I think he should stick around long-term. In fact, I think it would be ridiculous if the Jazz let him hit free agency again. Sign him to another 10-day contract and then sign him for the rest of the year. You want to leave some flexibility in your roster before the trade deadline, but basically you can get to the trade deadline just by signing him to 10-day deals, and then I think you sign him long-term. And another point is I think he wants to be here, and it was interesting. He talked yesterday after the game about wanting to be in Utah. Let's dissect this after he talks. I mean, I love, I love everyone here. I mean, they they welcome me with open arms, um, accepted me. No one has ever turned me down. They always ask me if I need anything. They're always making me comfortable. So, it's, especially being a guy that's been accustomed to a certain uh, certain way for years, and then come over here and be welcome with, with loving arms, uh, it makes you it makes you it makes you really enjoy the process and everything. So that's why. The, the staff, the organization, they just do a, does an unbelievable job from top to bottom uh, just to make sure that every player on this roster have whatever they need, whenever they need, and so much more. So there you go. First of all, not a glowing endorsement of Houston. No. He's the only – I mean, he played for Phoenix for a little bit. He played for, what, Washington for a little bit. But he, he's only ever really played for the Rockets. And he said, considering where I've been, where they don't really care about you, it's nice to be here where they're trying to give you everything you need to succeed. And the Jazz need to do that because people don't want to live in Salt Lake City if they could live in Houston or Dallas or New York or Golden State or L.A. Like, there are bigger cities that other players would rather live in. I think that's very understandable. The Jazz need to go out of their way to make sure that you are so comfortable as a player living in Salt Lake City that you need to even do it for guys like Daniel House, but also good that he recognizes that and wants to be here. And the Rockets only cater to one player, let's face it. Correct. And it was a mistake. So let's let's break this down, because you, you said something, uh, the House contractually, his 10 days up this week, right? His second 10 days up this week? Yeah, he signed last week, so inevitably it has to be done this week, yeah. Or next week, I guess, yeah. 10 days. But uh, then they have to sign him permanently, though, right? Well, they signed him to the first deal. was a ten was a hardship contract. So I don't okay. think that – because you can only sign, I think, two 10-day deals. That's it, yep. 
So his first one was a hardship deal. So he could sign another one. I to think get in he there. can and will sign another ten day deal unless another team comes and offers him a guaranteed contract. But my honest, my belief is if another team came in and tried to poach him from the Jazz with a guaranteed deal, the Jazz would feel it's probably more valuable to just keep him around. Just pony up and sign it. That would be my guess. Because I, I just don't know what else you're looking for a guy who's probably going to be the... Te- I think he's probably your 10th man right now. Maybe you can say that's Trent Forrest. So maybe he's your 11th guy. What else are you asking for from a guy than what you've gotten from uh, from a Daniel House? In five games, he even started last night. We know he's played 20 minutes a, a game because some of those numbers have been inflated. But he's given you seven points a game, three rebounds. He's given you two assists. Shooting only 33% from the floor or from the three-point lane, 44% from the, 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 the floor. But I, he just feels like he exactly fits with the size, the way he plays. He exactly fits with what this roster needs, and I think that's something that, that, that's value. And you know what? That, that was a gamble. Moving on from Mieoni, you saved some money. You hoped you could find his replacement, but I think you have. Well, the Jazz are kind of... They've been good in the past at working the bottom of the roster to find dudes. I mean, we can point to a number of examples that are still on the team. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, yeah. to, to name two. They've been really good at it. I mean, look who they've found over the years. You throw in George Niang and yeah. Damari Carroll right. and right. Trevor Booker and all these guys. They've done a good job really working the back of the roster. They're kind of beyond that now, or at least in this particular circumstance. It's like... You put it well, I think, earlier in the show. You're you're done kicking the tires on Mieoni. Yeah. You need somebody that if emergency happens and you got to break the glass, you're going to be okay. Yep. And if you think that Daniel House is that, obviously you do. Um, I, I tend to agree with you, but unless you think you can get a better player of that exact position out there, I think it seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is you have open roster spots. Like, There's just really no reason not to bring him back at this price right now. And you have to fill another roster spot with a guy. So I I would go after Daniel House. I would not make that my last move. We've talked a little bit about Joe Ingles. Not that you're targeting Joe Ingles to move Joe because he did something wrong. It's because he's got a $14 million expiring contract that has value, and you probably want to improve your roster as much as possible. The responsible thing to do if you're a competitive team is to improve your roster as much as possible, and you can probably get more competitive by trading Joe than by holding on to well, him. Well, and in the NBA, you have to maximize your assets. Yeah. I mean, it's you because of the salary cap, you only get so many. There's only so many things you can do. And the Jazz are in a particular awkward position because they've basically spent all their other yeah. capital. Here's my question. Do you think the Jazz have done a good job with their assets? This is a big conversation. This is hard to jam into a couple of minutes like we have here. It's hard to look at their roster. And the talent they have in Salt Lake City, considering they have three all-stars and Boyan Bogdanovich, and not say that they haven't spent their assets well. Well, where, where have they spent first-round picks that have not benefited them? So they spent a bunch of them for Mike Conley. I think that's, They gave that's two up for Conley, which was success. good. Yeah. But you had to give one with Derek Favors to get rid of him. So that was bad. If you no, you needed to cut him. You needed to get rid of that money. But you also had to sign him because Tony Bradley wasn't getting it done. Correct. But that was probably a mistake because you can look. I mean, Fismac Biombo was great last night and probably cost, you know, 800000 or whatever the vet minimum is, $2 bucks. You know, th- there are good backup bigs. The Jazz got a little romantic about Derek Favors and it came back and, and hurt them. Okay. But that's not a. I mean, that's. And you attached another second round pick to get rid of Tony Bradley and you used a first round pick on Tony Bradley. You used a first round pick on Yudoka Azabuki and those guys haven't worked out. Yeah, but you miss in the draft all the time. I'm more thinking futures. Yeah. Like at least they made those picks. I, I, I think. If you want to knock the Jazz front office, and you know probably Dennis Lindsay now that he's out the door a little bit, but like they were not great with draft pick management because they don't have 
any extra picks coming up in the future. In fact, they owe more than they have coming in, which is, is generally the rule if you have a competitive team. You shouldn't be... Most championship teams don't also have a bunch of draft picks coming their way. Golden State's a little bit of the exception. They've done a really nice job with that. Danny Ainge actually did it pretty well with Boston when they were good. Philadelphia doesn't have any picks, though. Do like, the Lakers have none. Lakers literally have zero picks coming up. So most teams don't. I'd say the Jazz have done a mid-level job with their assets, but it would certainly be nice if they had a couple of more in the future that they could rely on. Well, they far from blown it, I would say. Yeah, for sure. There are teams that have, the Lakers, have no picks and have no way to build for the future. Like, no young talent on the team. They're going to be in real trouble. Remember when the Nets traded all those picks for... KG. What, what was left over. The of, truth. Yeah, KG and Paul Pierce. Oof. Well, and Dar- the to the Jazz for Darren Williams. Darren Williams, yep. What was that, two first-round picks? It was at least two, right? Yeah. And there's, there's good ways to do it. You know, Golden State gave up picks to the Jazz to take on Andres Biedrins and Richard Jefferson and Brandon Rush, and the Jazz were happy to get those picks. I think it's part of how they got Trey Burke. They ended up packaging those to move up, but that allowed Golden State to clear room to sign all these guys, and they won a championship because of that trade alone. There are good ways to use your, uh, your assets. And look, if the Jazz win a title, then you can't say they used any of their assets wrong. Your whole goal but is to win a championship. Getting back to the point where Joe Ingles is one of the few pieces that actually have value because they don't have a ton of picks. So, 100%. I mean, they got to do something with Joe. It's just how the NBA works. All right, stay tuned. We will have a top three story. No, we've got Coach uh, Coach Ray coming up next. Stay tuned. We were stay ahead. Coach Randy Ray, straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz at 30 update here on Jake and Ben. Here's Jared Butler. Got an opportunity to play last night against the Suns, talking about going head-to-head with Chris Paul. It's one of those moments like, dang, like he dreamed of. He was literally on my wall growing up. He played in New Orleans. He was like CP3, Crescent City Connection. That was like big for me. And then hitting a three in his face is like, oh my gosh, you know. But it's just one of those moments, man, in life where you're like, man, you know, dreams can come true. It's a great feeling, but much respect for Chris Paul. Like. Love it how he threw out that in his face right there. Just right, you know, hit a three in his face. Uh, this Jazz Update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with Five Star Experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! Your home for the best sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Strictly out of curiosity. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to our friend Randy Ray, head coach at Weaver State, coming up here momentarily. Coach Ray's appearance on the show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram in Riverdale. Live here, work here, cheer for the Wildcats here, buy here. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram in Riverdale. You can go online, lhmriverdale.com. Jake, you guys have uh, like family movies, like movies that maybe not every, that weren't, not like every family watched Disney movies. Did you guys have movies in your family that you felt like, hey, this is a, movie we watched but not everyone in the world has seen like maybe naz hadn't seen him your family hadn't seen him you know what mine was was mr mom have you seen mr mom with michael keaton and terry gar from the 80s i haven't but i know what movie you're talking <laughs> like, about for some reason that was a movie my family would watch a lot i don't know why but like i'm always stunned when people haven't seen it because it felt like such a stable staple that's where my name up. came from actually your name came from mr mom wow <laughs> <laughs> that's 
an absolutely incredible reference point for Megan to be uh, to be your name there. Yeah, do you guys have a family one? Tweet at us. Let us know. What, what's like the weird family movie that you watched? My dad and I used to watch Major League together a lot. Yeah. And and probably not a necessarily uh, classic father-son movie <laughs> no, that everyone would watch. But we both enjoyed it. Uh, all right. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he is the head basketball coach at Weber State. He joins us each and every Tuesday here on Jake and Ben. He's Randy Ray. What's going on, Coach? Hey, Coach. Not much. How you guys doing? <clears throat> hey, we're great. You've got to be feeling pretty good. Go on the road, beat a rival. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, your team's got to be riding a little bit of a high, right? Yeah. No, that's uh, that's a good win last night. That's a really good basketball team we played, and you know they're picked to win our league, and they got nine seniors and a bunch of guys that have been around forever, and they're very talented. So I was really happy with our guys. We competed really hard and hung tough and found a way to get out of there. Your your team's clearly playing well. Are you able to step back and enjoy that, or are you just too close to it in the middle of the season to say, hey, things are, are going in a good direction? Is there just is there always something to critique? Oh, no, you can always get better. You always, you know, it's, I've always told our guys, you know, you when you get beat, you know, sometimes you say as a coach, you can learn a lot more when you lose. I'd rather learn more when you win. Um, it's a lot more fun to do that. And so you can always get better, and we'll break down the film, and our guys will watch it. We've got to get shore up some areas. We didn't play perfect. We never have. We never will. But we still got to con- continue to strive for playing better defense and rebounding longer in a game than we have. And I think that's everybody's pretty much uh, what every coach is trying to do with their team is to consistently play better longer. But, but yeah, no, you learn a lot from, from, from winning, and uh, our guys will take it and, and hopefully get better from it. You talked to us last week about Seku. Uh, Sisoho Jawara, how'd I do? Is that, is that close? Uh, is that in the building? I just call him Sigu. Uh, Sigu. Sigu. Sigu is what he goes by. Yeah. Awesome. So the other stuff is uh, it's too much of a mouthful for me. Sigu. I, I'm going to take my. Yeah, exactly. I can do Sigu. Perfect. Uh, but last night, coach, uh, or not last night, I guess, against SU, uh, 25 points, five assists. But here's the thing five of six from three, eight of nine from the field. That might be the most efficient game I've ever seen. Yeah, he played great. He really did. He's been in a good rhythm uh, lately and playing really well and playing good offense. And, uh, you know, he's, he works on his game so hard. He's constantly trying to get better. He gets the work in on his own. And it's good to see that it pays off for him because he's a tremendously hard worker and a wonderful kid. So, But he was he was big. And, I, and it wasn't just that. I thought he played really good defense last night, which is what I'm always looking at first. And uh, I thought he guarded really well. So he played a, a really well-rounded game for us. Coach, I'm always curious about this because, you know, every team has their guys. You've got your scorers. You've got your, your top defensive players. But, but specifically on the offensive end, how do you balance exploiting the other team's weaknesses versus just making sure you're using your strength and, and running your own system of what works best for you? Well, that's what we do. We don't we don't try to, you know, take a match up and say, okay, let's go iso ball on this guy because we got an advantage. We are a ball movement team. And we are going to move the ball side to side, and that's how we're going to try to shake up the defense. And and then our next, uh, you know, we're a ball movement team, and then our open, our, our go-to guy is the open guy. And that's our philosophy, and that's how these guys play, and that's how we want to play. So we don't try to exploit matchups. We just move the ball side to side until the defense breaks down a little bit. And then we try to really try to get that ball into the paint whether it's through penetration or post feeds, and then we play from there. And then we throw it to the open guy. 
you know it's really not that complicated and and we got a bunch of guys that can score and guys that can contribute and it's a fun stop for the guys like playing that way when everybody's involved and very unselfish and we and we move the ball you guys are currently in first atop the big sky. You've got three teams a game behind you, Northern Colorado, Montana State, and Montana. Northern Colorado actually is uh, has one loss, uh, same as you guys do, and they're your next opponent Thursday night. You're hitting the road. Tell us uh, a little bit about them and what uh, putting together a couple of wins against the top teams in the league could do for you. Yeah, well, they're good. I mean, they're really good. They got everybody back from last year. You know, we got a veteran uh, league this year. Well, with COVID, you know, pretty much everybody has their team back. But anyway, this, this team is they're the best three-point shooting team in our league, and they can put five guys out there that can really, really shoot it. And they're going to shoot a bunch of them. And so it's a huge challenge. And they're, they're not just shooters, but they can also make plays. They can drive it. They can get to the rim. So they're, they're the hardest team, you know, in our league to guard because they get you so spread out. And, uh, and they got a whole bunch of veterans doing it. So... This is going to be a tough, tough game for us, and we're going to have to play probably as good a defensive game as we played for a long time to to keep us in the game over there to to play with them. But you know, if you can go in there and get a win, it's a big one. Obviously, you know, anytime you can pick up a road a road win, and then uh, you know, anytime you can do it against one of the the better teams in the league, like these guys definitely are, uh, it gives you a good boost, boost of confidence too. When you feel like, because you touched on it, that's why I want to bring it back up. You, you talked about you're moving the ball side to side and you're finding the open shot, and that's the good shot. But you kind of look at the numbers for the year. Opposing teams are out shooting you from three. They're out rebounding you. How are you winning games this year? What, what's working best when you are winning? Well, right now we are the top uh, defensive efficiency team in our league. So it's really been our defense. Our defense has been pretty good. It really has. Now, I always, I'm never satisfied. And we can get better. We have to get better. <clears throat> but that's what's, that's what's doing it for us. You know, overall efficiency, uh, defensively, we're, we're leading the league right now, and hopefully that continues. But we also got a bunch of guys that move the ball, and offensively, we, we may not be great at one thing, but we're pretty good at a lot of stuff. And uh, we're pretty good at getting that ball into the paint. We're really, uh, we've been pretty elite at getting to the foul line. You know, our goal goal is we want to make more free throws than our opponents shoot. And we're winning that battle by a lot. And so we find different ways to score, and the free throw line has been big to us. And uh, we do attack the paint and uh, either, you know, get to the foul line or create a shot for somebody else. So, like I said, we might not be uh, elite in, in one or two areas, but we're pretty good in a lot of them. And then if we can just keep shoring those areas up and hopefully keep getting better at them. I hope I asked this question correctly, but watching uh, watching football over the weekend, what a what a weekend of NFL football! I'm sure you didn't watch any of it, but of <laughs> course, uh, Cooper Cup uh, was great. I mean, just probably the best receiver in the league, if not the best. I mean, he's close, and he's a big sky guy, right? I mean, he's an Eastern Washington guy, and of course, we watch Damian Lillard in the NBA all the time. What does it do for the league when these players go from the big sky to, uh, of course, we're talking basketball here, the NBA, but I'm sure it applies to football as well, where they go half this big time success and there's these Hall of Fame players. What does it do to send the message to recruits? Hey, you can come here and achieve all you want to achieve. You know, it's, it's huge. It really is. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, from our, our our school or another school, it's big for the league and it just boosts your recruiting. And like you said, it's, you know, we talk about that with recruits all the time. Hey, you know, and we recruit against some bigger schools, bigger conferences quite a bit. Hey, you can accomplish the same thing 
here that you can accomplish there. You can get to where you want to go. And it's not just Damien for us. It's We've got a lot of guys that are playing at a high level overseas and making a whole bunch of money doing well. So we use those guys as well. But you can come here and do it and probably get on the court sooner. You know, if you go to a, a, a bigger league and you think, i got to go to a bigger league because I want to be an NBA guy or, or have a great professional career, um, you might have to – there's more guys like you the bigger leagues or bigger schools that you go to. So you might have to bide your time before you can get that, you know, 20, 28, 30 minutes a game. Hey, come here and do it right away, potentially. And uh, and that's what we use a lot, and it's worked for us quite a bit, where kids have said, hey, I can still accomplish what I want, and I can play a lot more minutes as a freshman. And then if you do that, you get better sooner. You know, if you're a freshman and you're not playing as much, you don't get better until you're actually being counted on in games. And so we use that message a lot, and I'm sure that, you know, Eastern Washington football with the Cooper Cup, God, is he fun to watch. My God, is he good. <laughs> um, but they're using the same thing, and everybody else in our league that has guys move on does the same thing. So it's big. It really is. Well, Coach, thank you. We always look forward to uh, Tuesday so we can visit with you. Good luck uh, against Northern Colorado and then Sac State over the weekend. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Randy Ray, there you go, head coach at Weaver State. I knew that they played yesterday. I don't know why I second-guessed myself there. Nothing yeah. like looking dumb in front of a D1 college basketball coach. I do it all the time. <laughs> nothing, I do it all the time. Nothing makes you feel good about yourself like looking dumb in front of somebody important. Uh yeah, I know he's noticing right. Coach Ray's answer too. He was like, yeah. "Last night, dummy." Yeah, yes. We appreciate his time. Honestly, we're, Coach Ray's we're the best man. Very grateful, and that he puts up with our stupidity over and over and over. So we really uh, appreciate that. But you're right. You know, Cooper Cup doesn't make it to the league, or doesn't end up as a high draft pick. Even though, I mean, didn't he leave co- lead college football in receiving yards like every year? Because I remember the Utes randomly played Eastern Washington. But everybody like, thought it was that wonky offense, you know. And, but that we were they like, ran, yeah, because yeah. I remember like being like, the one person you have to worry about on this team is Cooper Cup because he leads college football in rushing or in in receiving yards. Like he's really good. He's probably going to get a chance in the NFL. And of course, he goes to the NFL and he's winning games over Tom Brady. He's eliminating Tom Brady. Uh, maybe his last game we ever see Brady on the field uh, because Cooper Cup was was basically unguardable. You could not stop him. And he you know he runs a four six forty at the combine and people don't believe in him. But that's why he went the big sky route, right? He was a little too small, a little too slow. The truth is he was just productive. Damian Lillard, a little too small for what you thought he was going to be. Shot the ball a lot. Maybe he wasn't going to pan out. You, some of these guys get a bad rap because of their, their size, what they look like, their shape, where they come from. And really, they're, I mean, obviously, you know, Don, uh, Damian Lillard's a Hall of Famer. No question a Hall of Famer. Yep. First ballot. Cooper Cup at this rate is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to end up there, yeah. So it, it, it's funny to see these kids get overlooked. Man, I'm telling you, even though it's a bad comparison because they don't do the same things, but a guy like Cooper Cup is is a testament to why someone's going to give Britton Covey a chance in the NFL. Right. He's not a wide receiver. I mean, not that same way that Cooper Cup is. I don't think Britton Covey's ever going to be a deep threat like that, but someone I think is going to give Covey a shot. Okay, this will be an unpopular question because this person isn't that popular at the moment, but is Gonzaga basketball where it is now if John Stockton had not had the success that he did? Of course not. No, everyone's part of the story, right? Everyone's a part of the... I mean, Louisiana Tech doesn't exist without Carl Malone. You don't get Paul Millsap if you don't have Carl Malone. Like, everyone's got to be a part of that conversation. Yep. I just think, you know, Gonzaga, nowhere on the map. I mean, Weber State on the map because Harold the Show Arsenault beat, what was it, North Carolina? 
you know, but you know, Weber comes and goes, and then Damian Lillard, man, next level. He's a he is a Weber State billboard everywhere he goes. Yes. Now every school has that guy. You know, Montana has Larry Kraskoviak. Like they, they're going to go back to that. They, he's still like a huge figure up there. Wyoming has Theo Ratliff. Correct. I mean, jo- Josh Allen. I mean, they're going to recruit off Josh Allen. And let me say this. I mean, and it's hard. It's hard for Craig Smith to do it. But I and look, I admit also I'm not around the program as much as I as I as I could be. But the the fact that Utah's whole brand doesn't seem to be Kyle Kuzma, Delon Wright, and Yaka Pertle right now is like it's hard to understand why that's not just the story you're telling over and over and over. And I'm sure it is behind closed doors. They are still trying to sell that. But man, those guys, those are all three guys who like Utah. They were happy to be here. Like they, they wanted to, to play here. They were happy with the success they had. And they've turned that into a bunch of success in the NBA and made a bunch of money off it. The same way Weber State is always going to be synonymous with, with Damian Lillard and the value you get out of that. And Cooper Cup in Eastern Washington, you can still do it at the bigger levels. I mean, BYU is still McMahon. BYU is still a national championship in the 80s. Like it's, it's not bad to use your brand and the successes you had to, uh, to build on. Coming up next, we wrap it up. Get you ready for Hanson, Scotty G, Jake, and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. <laughs> All right, Valentine's is coming up. Jake and Ben want you to be prepared. Prepared? 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 Uh, first of all, big thanks to the folks at Jay Brooks Jewelers. We didn't quite get to uh, top three stories at kslsports.com today, but, of course, Jay Brooks there for your Valentine's needs. And, of course, our friends at Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's Flowers, the staff can create something for you or get uh, one of their ready-to-go arrangements for any budget. Jimmy's Flowers restores in Bountiful, Layton and Ogden, or at jimmysflowers.com. Order early, Jimmy's Flowers. So uh, I've, I share the show with a couple of uh, single people. If you are just casually dating, what's the Valentine's policy? You just ignore it. No, you have you to do something. You do something. You have to go out to dinner or a movie, or, or have to mark the occasion some way. But you can't it's blow it out, right? Probably more similar to being. How long have you been married? Uh, eight years? Probably more similar to that, right? Like, you're not quite at the point. Like, first couple of years you're married, like, Valentine's a big deal. Or when you're, like, really seriously dating, it's a big deal. And then it kind of loses its steam because you've done it. You've probably done a it, bunch what, of 10 times, times yeah. 11 times now. Some flowers. So it kind of loses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you recognize it. It's fun. But, uh, yeah, you certainly don't go, you don't go all out. You can't blow it out, though. I don't know. Maybe Megan does. Megan's a gift giver. That's the nice thing about Megan. At least say happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, at the very least, yeah. You gotta get some flowers. Well, if you're in a serious relationship, maybe go the Jay Brooks and the Jimmy's route. If you're just casually dating, maybe the just the Jimmy's route. Yeah. Or if you've like been a horrible boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. But if it's like your <laughs> if it's like your third or fourth date go all out. You can't show up with jewelry probably, right? No. 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 I mean some people do. But if you've been dating for a for, year uh, Yeah. I'd say go with the go the Jay Brooks route. Hundred percent. Yeah. I just don't know, you know, I haven't been single for a little while, what the policy is these days. We can fix that. I mean, 
What, me being married? Well, get you single? <laughs> I'm probably perfectly capable of that myself, to be honest. Uh, speaking of uh, no longer engaged to anybody, Sean Payton has informed the Saints that he's stepping away. He is now a free agent. He is back on the dating market as a head coach. That's a big one. Sean Payton's universally regarded as one of the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, I, I think it says a lot about the Saints. I think it says a lot about maybe potential jobs that could be open. We've talked about what good jobs are out there. We've tried to rank them a little bit. Uh, it's difficult, but I can't imagine he's unemployed for long, right? Sean Payton's got to do this with the idea that he's got another job lined up. You think? Or is he just uh, fleeing a sinking ship? I think that's, that's the, most of it. That's the first. Uh, because they have to draft a quarterback. Yeah, and they're way capped out, like way capped out. And it's amazing they won nine games this year. Yeah. It's going to be... I think he's Pete Carroll in this thing. Getting out why the getting's good. Yeah, you could be right. Raiders is a good job. I don't know if you want the Raiders job necessarily. Broncos is good if they can get uh, if they can get uh, Aaron Rodgers. There's just not a great job. He may even wait a year. Sit out, go do a little bit of TV, enjoy yourself. Make some money that way, and then come back when the the when a team opens its head coaching job specifically for you that has an established quarterback. But you know this is going to have a big impact on uh, Taysom Hill. I think a lot of people think one of the reasons Taysom has been so good in the NFL is because he has an offensive genius like Sean Payton who's known exactly how to use him. Uh, I think that's taken away credit from Taysom. Absolutely, Hill, of course it is. But he, Sean Payton was a big believer in Taysom Hill and found ways to get him on the field that another quarter, another coach who's coaching for his job, Sean Payton was never coaching for his job, another coach that is coaching to prove that he belongs may not be willing to test out a guy like Taysom as much. Fair point. Okay. I can come along with that. And plus, if you draft a rookie, well, I don't know, maybe going out and drafting a guy, and they probably have to pick a quarterback in the first round unless they think Jameis Winston's going to come back and is worth investing in. Uh if they draft a rookie quarterback, he probably goes out and starts. But, you know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe that gives Taysom a, another season to prove himself. I actually think they like Jameis. I just don't he think... really good. I just don't think Sean Payton sees a winner there. Might as well get out while he's hot yep. and land that next job. But I don't know. You might be right. Maybe he signs with the Vikings tomorrow or yeah. something. Yeah. I bet, he, I bet he takes a year. I bet he takes a year and does TV. There's not great job openings right now. I think Denver is a pretty good gig if you can land a quarterback. Miami could be good. And the Raiders were a playoff team this year, so there's something there, obviously. Miami could be deceivingly bad, though, because the Bills are going to be really good forever, and the Patriots look like they're on the upswing as well. And then, best-case scenario, you're the third-best team in your division. And are you married to Tua? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Maybe it's that part of the job. You're right. Maybe Miami's not as good a job as as, uh, they were able to make it seem. By the way, I just got a, uh, a text from my wife who says the best Valentine's Day gift you can give me is letting me sleep in and coffee in the shower. Then adds so coffee now, in the shower. Then adds so now I'm expecting something from Jay Brooks. I've never done coffee in the shower. That sounds right up my alley. I love showers and I look. I take oh, really dude. long showers. I do too. Oof. I'm like bad at that. No, but my wife and I have some condensed mornings. You know where you kind of yeah. have to do two things at once. Yeah. And so she always appreciates the when she just pops out of bed and. Feeds the baby and then jumps in the shower when I'm on the spot with fresh, freshly made coffee. Oh no, I'm going to need someone to deliver me coffee. I'm going to I'm going to f- build a coffee service that just delivers coffee to people while they're in the shower. Well, wait, how old's your oldest now? He's nine. He's probably at the point where he could plunge out some coffee no, and bring it to you. My six-year-old is far more likely to be the coffee maker in the family. Yeah, she's another, all processed. Another reason you should have bought a more simple coffee maker. Yeah. No, you're right. You're 100 percent right. I I've blown it. <laughs> <laughs> I've blown it. I should figure out a way to incorporate the two. I should just put a coffee maker in my in my shower. 
brilliant. It's a I'm a I'm a, not a bachelor. Bad idea. Well, I, yeah. can, I, can, I can do whatever I want. You can. Should have a coffee maker in every room in the house. I don't know why I can't get a second date. They see the bathroom and leave immediately. It's not because it's dirty. It's because he's got a coffee maker. Got a coffee maker in there and a mini fridge full of beer. Kramer was making all of his salads in the shower. One of the funniest episodes of that show. I put a disposal in my shower, so now I cook while I bathe. Oh, what did he say to the person? He goes, you like that? I prepared prepared it while I bathed. All right, stay tuned. Now it's Scotty coming up next. Ben, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. Megan. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.